0: Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily podcast on the National Football League, on the number one daily sports podcast network. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to this show and all of your favorite podcast apps. Tell a friend about this program. Let them know. Their team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And Matt, podcasts are amazing for quarantine. And if you can get around and get outside, maybe go for a jog, listen to a pod, do some whatever you're doing around the house. Podcasts have uh, saved me quite a bit during this quarantine when there's not a lot of sports going on in the world. And some people probably a little bit maddened by staying home so much.
1: I feel like we can contribute a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and I've <laughs> been a consumer. I, I, I've i told this people many, many times, the only time I ever listen to music is when I work out in the gym and I'm reading football while I'm listening to music. Well, the gym's obviously shot and I've been walking around the neighborhood instead and burning some calories that way, listening to podcasts, listen to them in the shower and uh, every which whenever there's the fam's not around and I don't bug them too much. I have a podcast blaring. So I'm glad that us and the entire network can hopefully do the same for some others out there. And I know it's not easy and by all accounts, this is going to be a really tough week, but, um, hopefully we can bring a shed a little light on things and I'm glad the NFL's rolling along because there's plenty to talk about.
0: Absolutely. I'm glad I picked up one of those exercise bikes and a nice new set of dumbbells before all of this went down, you know, after the, the Christmas season. So we do have a little bit of a, a home gym now and a way to work out, which is nice. So that's helped because, yeah, we're not going to any gyms. We're not seeing friends. We're having digi- or, uh, virtual happy hours, which are pretty fun. So uh, getting by.
1: <laughs> Burn some steam, though, too.
0: You know what? That's a good segue into what's going on right now in the draft process. And there are some new signings and free agent stuff I want to talk about. But really quick how crazy is the scouting process right now and and teams can't go to pro days and those, those prospects that didn't work out at the combine decided not to work out at the combine or didn't get invited or players that were hurt that were hoping for a late pro day to show their stuff to scouts and work out a little bit and have the medicals. I mean, it's going to hurt a lot of prospects because it's just so much more up in the air for a lot of those players and teams are going to have to rely on the film. And then with those virtual hangouts, that's the way looks like the visits are going to go. There's no team visits. There's no one-on-ones at the pro days. It's going to be some FaceTime, And I, I don't know how much scouts and, and teams and GMs can get, but at least they're going to be able to go have conversations with some of these prospects.
1: Yeah, I mean, I even go back to, like, when we got to the combine. The the big story there was CBA is going to get done this first day or two. Every owner's in Indy. You know, we'll move forward. We want to know a new cap. Like, that was the beginning of a really unique and bizarre off season because the CBA thing in itself would be a massive, you know, story in terms of handcuffing teams and when are we allowed to put franchise tags and all that stuff that were passed now, that was a big obstacle and a big delay and unknown that which compares nothing to this. I mean, this is going back to grassroots scouting in a way, which part of me kind of likes, you know, like, old school with the projector out watching guys and just, you know, trust into your eyes a little bit more than your ears. So I like that part of it. And I, I hate to always bring things back to the Steelers, but I'm going to anyways. And then, cause I talk about this a lot on my Steelers show in that they're one of the most stable Obviously teams, but front offices, scouting group. I mean, I know all their scouts and they don't, it's not a revolving door. And I think I keep going back to teams like that, that know the mold of player they want at every position because they've been doing it year after year and they have the same scouts going into Auburn, Wake Forest, Oregon State, small schools, whatever that are going to get a little bit of an edge with a little bit more info. And I'm really interested in that. And I think that when we look back, when you and I are having this podcast three years from now, and we go, let's examine that 2020 draft. We might find a few more diamonds in the rough in the fifth round from the Patriots, the Ravens, you know, the, the, the real old school type teams have been doing it a long time than most years
0: yeah those small school guys where will they land there'll be some player i I have to imagine there's going to be some really nice finds in the undrafted free agent market guys that maybe weren't able to wow and workouts and get on team radars late in the process so uh yeah i think you're right it's going to be interesting and maybe we'll find out who's best at trusting the tape and who's best at breaking down that tape because some of these prospects that's all you're going to have
1: and getting a little scoop on the side.
0: Yeah, yeah, the side scoop. And, and you know there's going to be a lot, I mean, in this day and age, there's a lot of texting going on behind the scenes. So it would be fun to see some of those text threads that used to be closed-door conversations maybe about a prospect and about some things that happen, and getting some background on these guys. It's going to be an interesting process.
1: Absolutely. I mean, so it'll be a very, it's already been an extremely interesting and bizarre off season, and that's not going to change anytime soon.
0: It is Mock Draft Monday, so we will jump into Jordan Reed's latest mock draft from the Draft Network in a bit. Uh, A couple of signings that we haven't been able to cover. We talked Todd Gurley. That was a quick one, got cut. He got signed by the Falcons. We talked about that one Friday, but another running back that we thought, oh man, maybe this really hurts his market is Melvin Gordon. Shortly after we got done uploading Friday's podcast, Gordon signed with Denver. How do you feel about that one?
1: yeah, it's interesting because first of all, they've played against Gordon twice a year for his entire career. They're very familiar with the player. Obviously, they must respect his game. And I've felt for him every step of the way, going back to the holdout. I mean, he never maximize he never made out in the deal. I mean, sure, he's gonna he's not hurting for he's not collecting food stamps. Don't get me wrong, but he he never got the giant contract that he thought he deserved and shot for. But this isn't a bad deal, and as a rule of thumb, I'm not big on let's give these guys a second contract at that position, but I also say if a team's going to, I want it to be with a very young, uncertain quarterback. You know, that Melvin Gordon makes Locke's life easier, and if I'm a GM, goal number one is let's make Locke's life as easy as possible, and that might mean Drafting Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs or CeeDee Lamb. And then all of a sudden, you got a core of, you know, Sutton, Fant, a first round receiver, two really good backs. And I do think people don't really see Lindsay as, you know, a 300 touch guy. So let's keep that rotation going and let's just make Locke's life as friendly as possible. That's the goal here.
0: You mentioned Lindsay. That's the question I have here for some of the fantasy football listeners out there what does that do to freeman and Lindsay?
1: well i think freeman's an afterthought i think they're they're unhappy with him i think it's going to be a true dual backfield but let's say freeman's out of the picture or a distant third or maybe he gets traded for a six-round pick somewhere or something i can see something like that happening would you rather have Lindsay or gordon on your fantasy team uh, gosh
0: that's i mean that's a hard right. one you know um Lindsay's good. Uh, Lindsay's Lindsey's great. That's why yeah. uh, that's why I question the signing. But I, I understand and look, this is a Vic Fangio thing. He wants to build some things like some of his better teams in the past. So they're gonna be a team that runs the ball. They're gonna be uh, you know, more of an old school offense there and he's added some great pieces on defense for that classic Fangio three four, Jarrell Casey on the defensive line, traded a seventh rounder for him, traded for Bouye. So I like those moves and he's really building that team in his image now.
1: Yeah, he is. I mean and he realizes, to Elway's credit as well, I'm a defensive head coach. I have been doing this a long time. Locke is somebody we're all in on. And I'm a little shocked they haven't, and it doesn't sound like they will, get a more of a veteran number two, not somebody to push Locke, lock, but just as insurance and that type of deal. But this is our guy. We're going to put a lot around him. We're going to create a great nest with a lot of playmakers. And all of a sudden, they have playmakers. I'm going to trust Munchak to shape this offensive line a little bit more. And we're going to play good D and we're going to try to win games, you know, 20 to 17, you know, not 13, 10, but 20 to 17. And we're going to hang around tough and we're building a culture here. I understand it. I mean, they also kind of look like the definition of a seven or eight win team to me, too.
0: It's a fine line when you're winning games 20 to 17. Do you have the 17 or do you have the 20 at the end of the day? So we'll see how Fangio's. Broncos go, but they're definitely loading up. And, and I like what they're doing right now. They're they're a better team than they were when this whole process started. Another team that got a little bit better um, is the New Orleans Saints. They stole Emmanuel Sanders from my 49ers. So Sanders goes to New Orleans now. He's a really nice fit as the number two there with Michael Thomas. I think that was something they absolutely needed. And maybe a little bit less than I expected Sanders to get on the open market. He's getting eight mil a year for two years.
1: Yeah, uh, the Saints are a really good team, a really good organization. Um, I also want to mention they also brought back Andres Pete, so it pretty much completes their offensive line, which has been one of the better ones in the league. I say this over and over. They dedicate money to centers and guards more than just about any team in the league because of Breeze's stature and making him comfortable. But I love this Sanders pickup. I mean, I I retweeted, I think it was Warren Sharp, that – Besides Jimmy G, I mean, the, rece- the the quarterbacks that have been thrown to Emmanuel Sanders are like Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simi. I mean, it's an <laughs> ugly, ugly list over the last five years or so. And he still remains highly productive. I, I, this is one of my favorite stats of 2019 is Michael Thomas had 119 more receptions than any other Saints wide receiver last year. Under 19, you know, that can't happen. So you bring in the older guy who showed he can still play last year, good compliment. And even if you use a first-round pick on Denzel Mims or a second-round pick on a wide receiver, that's fine by me too.
0: I think that also seals it for the Niners looking at pick 13 now that they added in the DeForest Buckner trade. It didn't seem like they went hard after Sanders, so you put two and two Uh together there, and it's looking like wide receivers pretty likely, I think, in the draft at 13. With that said, let's take a look at the latest mock draft. Since it is Mock Draft Monday, check out Jordan Reed's sixth mock of the season for the Draft Network. Our friends at the Draft Network drop a new, fresh mock draft every Monday. It was analyst Jordan Reed's turn today. And he's got a three-rounder here, Matt. And it starts, as every mock we've looked at, I think, recently has started. Bengals, Joe Burrow one, Chase Young two, to the Redskins. Uh, Lions standing pat with Jeffrey Okuda. Does anything start to stand out at the top of this draft for you?
1: No, and we don't do these mock draft Mondays to be critical of the mockter. I've been a mocker, and it's hard. And And, again, this isn't even a knock. But the first... Eight nine picks of this one are about as chalky as I've seen. I mean, if anything, diverged a little from the norm is Jacksonville taking Derrick Brown at nine. I mean, that's a steal, it's a great pick there. But I mean, it's all the tackles we thought would go to the Jets and the Cardinals and the Browns and those type of things, you know. So, pretty chalky top half of the first round. And it looks like he didn't do trades in this one. So, you know, that's fine. You know, it's just how it depends how you want to set up your mock. But I think we should start right around 13 with your Niners because it's a sweet spot. We talked about what a valuable pick that is. I believe there to be about 16, you know, really, really strong prospects. And the Niners are going to get one. And in this one, they absolutely do.
0: Yes, C.D. Lamb, and this is going to be a fun one because I see Jerry Judy to the 49ers a lot, and I don't know how you feel about this wide receiver class, Matt, and how deep you've looked into him, and now that the 49ers have this 13th pick, and I was thinking, oh no, okay, now the 49ers have a chance to draft a completely different caliber of prospect than I thought before, so now I have to separate some of these guys, so separating Judy, Lamb, and Henry Ruggs has been my number one goal over the course of the last seven or so days, and it's becoming clear to me that Jerry Judy is number one. And I really would be shocked if Jerry Judy's not the first wide receiver that's selected in this draft, which also means he's probably not going to be there for the 49ers. Like in this mock, he goes 12 to the Raiders. And who knows, maybe he goes a little bit higher to a team like the Jets, who went Makai Becton in this mock. But for a wide receiver to follow the Niners, that means they have to get through a couple of teams here. And if you're the Jets, they just signed Josh Andrews, George Fant, Alex Lewis, Connor McGovern, and Greg Van Roten. That's five offensive linemen. One of them was a re-sign that they already had. They they signed uh-huh. five offensive linemen in free agency. I mean, I, I feel like the Jets are telling us they're going to go wide receiver in the draft, right? And, I, and that might be your Judy spot.
1: Maybe. I mean, I think when you—that's a good conversation. So I think at eight now, after Hopkins, the Cardinals are certainly leaning tackle yes. over over wide receiver. Then you get to the Jets at eleven. And it reminds me a lot of the Bills last year. Remember the Bills signed like seven offensive linemen, and then drafted Cody Ford. I mean, you talk about attacking a problem. And you mentioned Fant, Lewis, Van Roten. I guess they're all starters and they're getting paid accordingly. McGovern, to me, is the best of the group. He'll be their starting center. That's one that I look at kind of like um, the Bills when they when they signed, what's his face, the center from the Chiefs last year. I mean, he was their best guy. It was an obvious starter. Where everybody else is just kind of throwing things against the wall. I do believe that that front office coming from Baltimore really job number one is to build a line for Darnold. So I still don't know that it's a slam dunk that they pass on a Beckton who he has going here for Judy. I still think it's a 50 50 proposition, but they're going to get one of those two, much like a lot of these teams that would settle for either. And I'm with you. I think Judy is number one. He really reminds me of Odell. C.D. Lamb is fine, but he's more in the Hopkins mold. Um, I have a hunch to your point, though, that I can't see the Raiders at 12 passing on Judy if the Jets do, that I would be blown away if Judy's there at 13.
0: Knowing Gruden and knowing Mike Mayock, and since they've been in public and we've seen how they react and they've done a lot of prospect. Breaking down, you know, over the last sure. few years before they took those jobs, you kind of get a feeling of the guys they like. I really have a feeling that, first of all, it just you know, twelve is is the wide receiver spot in this draft. I think he, a wide receiver goes there in every single mm-hmm. mock that we've seen recently, and for good reason. I really feel like, especially Judy, but Lamb too, are just the type of players that they're going to like, and that those are the Mayock guys.
1: I agree, although part of me just can't get out of the thought of. Al Davis hovering over the offices saying, take Henry Ruggs. <laughs> right. Yeah. How can you pass yeah. on Henry Ruggs? He Old Raiders, it's rare.
0: definitely Henry Ruggs. And here's the thing, the NFL loves speed, so that wouldn't really blow me. We saw it with John Ross, and we've seen it in the past mm-hmm. with and those are the players that Ruggs gets compared to. And uh fast guys go early. And sometimes it's a bad pick, sometimes it looks okay, but someone's gonna draft Henry Ruggs really early. And which is why I don't think he makes it to 15 to the Denver, the Denver Broncos. But real quick, we get back to the 49ers. This is going to be a fun one. I have a feeling this is going to be a lot of time spent on the Locked On 49ers podcast, is the argument that, okay, Judy's gone. Do you pick Lamb or do you pick Henry Ruggs? Do you have a favorite right now? They have Lamb going here to the 49ers. I have no doubt Kyle Shanahan will like both of those players. Lamb is safe, higher floor. I just wish... Lamb had either a little bit more juice, top-end speed to threaten deep, or if he's going to be a catch point monster, he's fifteen pounds lighter than the guy he's compared to most in DeAndre Hopkins.
1: No, th- those are great points, and I remember even pre combine you had a few Lamb reservations. I don't say he didn't like them, but you you know you weren't jumping out of the, out of the, the building for him, and now it feels like you're almost having to go back to the drawing board because your team is going to be right in the mix for this guy. And the one aspect that I see all your reservations and I see why you would be concerned and all those things, but one aspect that you didn't bring up that I think is really important, and that's run after catch. You know, Debo is so good at it and Shanahan is so good at creating it. That's one aspect that I think Lamb has over a Hopkins. He's really good with the ball in his
0: hand. He is better than Hopkins after the catch, for sure. I I will give you that one. And and I don't dislike Lamb at all. I just questions like, okay, sub 6'2", sub 200 pounds, yeah, four five zero flat, he he doesn't show a ton of top end speed on tape as good as he is. I just wonder how teams are going to look at him. So Lamb is the one that's it's tough. I could see teams loving him and he's the first wide receiver. I could see him sliding a bit and even potentially someone who was a workout warrior, Denzel Mims, like even jumping Lamb, which would be one of the shockers and there's going to be shockers in this draft. I wonder if Lamb could potentially be one of them. It's really hard for me to figure that out. And then Ruggs is a little bit easier, but he's the opposite of Lamb, right? Where it's the, the high ceiling, but a little bit lower floor, he was the third wide receiver on his own college football team, and you're going to draft him in the top 15. So there is some bust factor there with Henry Ruggs, but I do really like Henry Ruggs. And when I look at the 49ers roster, I feel like there might be too much similarity with Lamb and Debo that I think mm-hmm. maybe Kyle Shanahan would be looking at Ruggs and definitely Judy instead of Lamb. But that, that's, that's where I'm at right now with that pick 13 in the 49ers and those three wide receivers.
1: I hear you, and it's a really good conversation. It's great for your podcast, for sure. I don't think Ruggs gets past the Broncos, who he has going here at 15. Mm -hmm. Much different player than Sutton. Locke's got a big arm. It'll open up the run game, so that makes perfect sense. I know Eagles fans would love to get Ruggs. I don't think that's happening. But one last Niners question for you while we're at this portion of the draft. Would you consider Kinlaw? and just replace Kinlaw, you know, re- replace Buckler with Kinlaw and just keep a strength of strength and use a pe- 31st pick on a wideout?
0: I've looked a lot at both Kinlaw and Derek Brown in the unlikely event that Brown falls to, and Brown is clearly mm-hmm. better than Kinlaw to me. So Brown, I would think yeah. about. I think with Kinlaw, there's, there's going to be either a wide receiver or an offensive tackle I like more. And for the 49ers, I think the sleeper pick would be offensive tackle if, say, Wills or Wirfs is there because they could plug him in at guard for a year. Joe Staley will be retiring after this year. At most, he plays probably two more years for the 49ers. They're going to need that future tackle. And if you want a franchise tackle, this might be the draft to do it. If the 49ers are drafting late again next year and then are forced to try to scramble and find a a franchise offensive tackle. So I think offensive tackle, I would go before Kinlog, depending how the board falls for the 49ers at 13.
1: Ta- to me high upside D linemen and high upside offensive tackles are great picks for good teams that don't have needs, you know? And yeah, you can't Kinlaw, go wrong. Yeah. I mean, Kinlaw kind of fits that mold, but I mean, even Josh Jones, if you trade it down a little, but I mean, certainly a guy like worfs that even if he red shirts his whole first year or Thomas or somebody like that, again, keep a strength, of strength, find a tackle when you're the, the second best team in the league that could be a 10-year starter for you and just fall in Joe Staley's shoes is awfully valuable even if you get very little out of them right away
0: yeah and the 49ers do have a hole at right guard so they could plug that guy in and be a huge upgrade on the offensive line year one then kick out and either you know a McGlinchey goes to left tackle or that player goes to left tackle so that's something to look out for for the 49ers if say all three wide receivers go before they pick or maybe they have one of these offensive linemen ahead of some of the receivers and and want to dip into the deep wide receiver class let's get into the second half of the first round and into the second third round in this mock next we talked about the Broncos and Ruggs That's such an easy pick. And, and if Ruggs is on the board, I would definitely put him to the Broncos at 15. I have a feeling the Broncos might need to get higher if they want one of those top three wide receivers and, and Ruggs. And, and there are some teams that might want to do some dancing ahead of them. But the second half of the first round here, one of the players that sticks out to me that I'm having a hard time with is Kayla Von Chason. I've seen him in the top yeah. 10 of mocks before. And I just don't see it. I think he's one of those players that either falls on draft day or really disappoints the team that drafts him. He's had nine and a half career sacks. He's going number 17 here to the Dallas Cowboys. He's one of the players I've predicted falls a little bit because he hasn't had a chance to work out and really blow teams away with that athleticism that you know he has, that he shows on tape. And so I expected him to work out through the roof. He shows up at the combine a little over 250, which is a good weight for him. But was that the way he played at? I don't think he played that big. Is he an off-ball linebacker? Is he a pass rusher? If he's a pass rusher, a three-year career, nine and a half sacks, I'm not drafting that guy as high as you have to draft Caleb on chase on. So he's a tough one for me.
1: I, I hear you. And one, I'm going to take one quick step back in that 16, they, the Falcons taking C.J. Henderson, the corner, 17, the Cowboys taking chase on the edge at LSU, who I do want to talk about. I really think both those teams, now the free agency's been laid out, are going to go defense galore the entire draft, starting right here. You know I mean? Gurley's in town. uh, They traded for a tight end. You signed Dak and Amari. Like It's time for defense in Atlanta and Dallas.
0: I did a mock draft this weekend, too, because I was trying to get a lay of the land, and I kind of like that there's mixing up mocks with trades and without trades because when you have a mock with no trades you really get a feel for the teams that don't fit. And you're like, okay, this team seems like they have to move up or down, and the board doesn't really fall well for them. And and you start to see those types of things. So I like having it both ways. And there are uh, so many teams that their number one need is wide receiver, cornerback, and offensive tackle. And I just think it's going to be a draft that those three positions go nuts through the top 75 or so picks.
1: You might be right. And even like those first 15 we may have – you know, four or five tackles, three or four receivers, all in the top 13, 14-ish, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to go quick, even though there's a lot of receivers and tackles in this draft. Let's go back to Chase on a minute. I mean, I think I've read things that people that like him say, well, maybe he turns into Daniel Hunter, you know, LSU guy that wasn't super productive. But Hunter was a third-round pick, and not, and I think Hunter's freakier. You mentioned Chason's not going to have a pro day. That doesn't help his cause. And the production isn't there. And the bigger and, and taking that a step further, Joe Burrow put up a hundred points a game and you couldn't get pass rush situations to get home more than that. <laughs> yeah, and he like you he know? was in
0: space a lot, which is some which is why you like Chason. He's, he's got this athleticism and he's he can get after the quarterback a little bit and he's so athletic in space. But where does he fit? What position does he play for? Each scheme is going to look a little bit different. He's not going to be an every-down defensive end for anybody. So you have to find a spot for him in one of those variable fronts, one of those odd fronts where he's a stand-up outside linebacker rusher. And to me, that's a late first-round area where Chason ends up going. So despite all the athleticism, and there's definitely reasons to like him, I don't dislike him as a prospect, It's trying to find the fit, and I just don't see it, in the even as high as the teens, I, I really think there's a chance he falls into the 20s and falls later than some people expect because I see him going really high in mocks, and it's hard for me to place him to some of these teams.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of it is mockers are saying, Who's that second edge? because those guys are always valuable, but I don't know that anyone's really worth it. You know, I mean, Espen, Espeniza, or Gross Matos, I mean, they're all edge you know borderline one twos to me they're not middle of the first round guys i've often said there's 16 really good prospects the cowboys are sitting there at 17 and again i think they absolutely have to go defense but to your earlier conversation they seem like no man's land a little bit like they need someone to trade up for jordan love so that yeah
0: you
1: know x defensive player falls to them that they shouldn't have or something like that or they're or you might as well trade down and just take the best defensive player available at 25 or something.
0: Yeah, and you're you sitting there, the Falcons are at 16, and they always get that corner that, that Cowboys, mm-hmm. you would put there in a mock draft. So it's an interesting scenario there for the Cowboys where they're at at 17, and you'll find out how teams feel about the second tiers of offensive tackles. Josh Jones goes 18 here to the Dolphins, but I think for most people, there's a clear gap between the four guys ahead of Jones and Jones being the fifth tackle in the class and same with the cornerbacks and Christian Fulton goes 19 to the Raiders and then Gladney goes 20 to the Jaguars. All these teams need wide receivers, need cornerbacks, need offensive tackles. How does that second tier shake out at those positions will be fascinating.
1: Yeah. And there is a pile of corners in this neighborhood too. You know, I mean, I think Henderson will be the second corner and probably doesn't get past Atlanta at 16 where he has him going. But then Fulton and Gladney, and even though it's a pretty deep corner class, those guys get picked up pretty quick. And he even has a Higbo. I'm definitely saying his name wrong. Noah I from Auburn <laughs> yeah. going at 25. You know, he's a high upside, big corner that Zimmer might like.
0: Then Trevon Diggs at 31 and AJ Terrell at 32. So, I mean, how many yeah. was that? Six corners in this first round? Or is that seven yeah. corners in this? No, six corners in the in the first round of the draft. And so those... A lot uh, in the
1: second half of the draft, a good right, team.
0: They're going to start going fast. And the ones that worked out well and the ones that were at the Combine, like Terrell, and uh, I think it's going to help them a lot. Guys like Diggs, who didn't get a chance to work out, where speed is the question, that might make that player fall. And some of those players will get a, an extra little boost that worked out and worked out well, the Combine, Mims and Terrell and some of those type of players. I, I We don't have a lot of time left here, Matt. I think with the first round, the the one team we have to talk about here is the Brian Hoyer-led New England Patriots who draft quarterback out of Utah State, Jordan Love.
1: Yeah, let's talk about this one. And again, (laughs) with all respect, if you put out a mock, you're going to get some heat. And I'm going to give you some heat on this one because I bet a lot of our listeners that have followed my work are going to say, boy, Williamson swings for the fences in his quarterback evals. He loved Mahomes and Jackson the most in their class, Lamar. So he probably likes love a lot and coming in when I was on step two, three of draft analysis, I was really excited about this guy and I'm going, boy, I don't care that he had that bad a year. It was a new system. All the, he was like one of two or three returning starters, Utah state's not exactly Bama. So he made a lot of, you know, forcing throws to try to be Superman because he's super competitive But the more I watch him and the more I study Jordan Love, I think Belichick would hate him because there's one (laughs) thing that you just see over and over. He makes the same mistake again and again. Like Matt Waldman had a really good, good breakdown of love where he watched every snap of him and he would say on consecutive plays, he would make the exact same mistake. You know, like, I don't mind that you make mistakes out of aggression when your team's losing and you got nothing around you and you're the hero, but learn from them. You know, like I, I don't know if he's smart, dumb, whatever, but he doesn't play smart and he doesn't learn from his mistakes. Belichick would go crazy with this guy.
0: I agree. This is tough because quarterback has to make sense for the Patriots in this draft at 23. Jordan Love is really the only one you could put here. I don't know if the fit is there and, Bill Belichick has never been the type to draft the toolsy quarterback over the smarter quarterback. So the Mm -hmm. style of play of of Love and they will have to have uh, have some evaluations where they thought that he, for whatever reason and talent and coaching changes. There are some reasons why Jordan Love, there's a lot better decision making there than what he displayed his last year in college. But Jared Stidham, Brian Hoyer, Brian Hoyer said he signed with the Patriots because they gave him a chance to compete for a starting job. There might be something to this uh, tank for Trevor that we had talked about before on the show, because Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham, I mean, that's that's what the New England Patriots might be going into the season with as their quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, for a while there, I was thinking Belichick's going to wait out the market. He'll pick up somebody super cheap and maybe still will. I also think that they do like Stidham. I don't think that's a smokescreen at all. And he looked really good in the preseason. And I thought he was one of the steals of the draft when it happened because he did not fit in at Auburn and was not used properly his last year there. I've also talked many times that, boy, my favorite part of the Brady saga is what's Belichick going to do? Is he going to go get that athletic quarterback and play that way because he hates playing against Lamar and Mahomes and these type of guys? Is he going to change the way they play offense? They still might. I'm just saying Love isn't the guy for it because he can. he's had so many years of as close to mistake-free football from the quarterback position as you can <laughs> ask. To go to Jameis Winston or Love that's just a turnover machine that puts his good defense in a bind time and time again, it ain't what Belichick's about.
0: Right, and if he does draft that rookie quarterback, he's not going to play soon if if he's making those sort of decisions but that would be fun jordan love to the patriots would absolutely be a fun one to follow and who knows no matter who whether it's stidham or hoyer patriots are gonna win nine games so they're not gonna be able to draft trevor lawrence So you just get that feeling belichick and that's the other storyline of this season is brady is so set up for success and to win some games and with the shape that the patriots roster is in when belichick's team doesn't make the playoffs and is a sub 500 team after the end of the 2020 season and Tom Brady's Buccaneers are in the playoffs. That's going to be the storyline. It was Brady all along. Brady's team is good now and Bill's team is not. Or if the other, <laughs> you know, if it goes the other way, it'll be like, Oh my God, Bill checks a genius. He won nine games with Stidham and Hoyer. It never mattered that Brady was the guy all along. So uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for that. And then I'm also like dreading those storylines with the Patriots and how things turn out with Tampa and Tom Brady, and with Bill in New England.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I hope people don't forget about all the unbelievable years that they both needed each other. Um, Last note on this mock, which I think is very, very possible, first running back doesn't go till 39, and that would have been J.K. Dobbins in this this draft. So I think that's a distinct possibility, and there's just not many landing spots for top running backs. I think there's five really good ones in this draft.
0: And my math was wrong. There was seven corners in the first round, too, and then a bunch of safeties and corners going to the top of the second round. So uh, that's a run on defensive backs. If you think one might fall to you that you want at the end of round two, might be a little bit too late. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor to the Bills. You mentioned the running backs there. Where the running backs fall will be interesting because it's not the number one need for most teams. But you know teams in their war rooms will be sitting there, and a running back's going to be the best, the highest-graded player on their board. So when do teams say, you know what? I know the positional value. I know we don't need one. Let's just draft the best guy on the board and that's a running back.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, again, I think there's five really good prospects. I've studied them more than some of the others because I think there's a distinct possibility that the Steelers first pick in the middle of the second round will be a running back and sets up well for that. I mean, if you're the Bucs as a team I keep coming back to that go tackle in the first round and then, you know, in this draft, he they have getting them they get swift in the second round. Like that wouldn't be so bad.
0: Cam Akers in the third. That's my guy.
1: I love Cam Akers. I've done a lot of homework on him. Oh, have you? So, le- just late last week. I, there's an, I, there's, I do another uh, podcast called Dynasty Blueprint, and once a week, we talk about one prospect for the entire time, and this week was Cam Akers, and I was really warming up, up to him. Now I'm hot for teacher with the guy.
0: (laughs) I I love him. I had three down back uh, Cam Akers, which is the argument for not drafting a first round running back. If you can actually get Cam Akers in the third, I have my doubts maybe that he falls that far, depending on when that run on running backs goes. And and I think he's with the top group more so than he's that next tier for sure.
1: Yeah. He's one of the five in my opinion, and maybe I don't know what my order is yet, but Holy cow. Did I not realize how horrendous, I mean, like, Unbelievably bad his blocking was at Florida State. And as a former recruiter, that makes me like roll over my grave. Like, you can't recruit offensive linemen to Florida State. Come on, man.
0: <laughs> That's a great point. I mean, come on. <laughs> the one thing you shouldn't have to worry about is your running back finding space behind a Florida State offensive line.
1: All right. Let me be the recruiting coordinator at Florida State. We'll get some big guys.
0: All right. I got to check that Boy. out. The full Cam Akers episode. And you're doing so. You guys are breaking down full prospects on Dynasty P- Blueprint for a full episode?
1: Yeah, we do two shows. One of them, we just kind of recap the week and we have a guest on. And then later in the week, we do like 25 minutes on some fantasy relevant player. Like we did Ruggs. We did, you know, all the top guys. And so it's been fun. You really break down it, really break it down thoroughly. And you go back to their high school and, you know, their whole careers and how they fit in. So the latest one was Acres, And again, I like them. Now I love them.
0: Check out Matt Williamson's Dynasty Blueprint Podcast. Check out all of the shows here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NFL Draft, the Draft Dudes Podcast. And, of course, we'll be back here doing it again tomorrow, Locked On NFL.